For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Condon and Dennis Dick on today's show for the first time in I don't know how many days. Uh, we couldn't get a rally going overnight. So we'll talk about that, the lack of an overnight rally, what it means going forward here. We also have earnings on our plate, uh, Smile Direct Club, Cisco after the close yesterday, Norwegian Cruise Lines this morning. Don't forget about jobless claims at 8.30. And our guest is Mark Chaikin. He will stop by at 8.15 to give us his take on these markets. Let's bring it to Joel here. Joel, as I mentioned, no overnight rally. Uh, just the opposite, Spencer. We're trading down 14 handles here at $27.99. Uh, one little measly pop up to $29.25, but that was it. Uh, looking at Wednesday's low is still the key number on the downside. That's $27.86. That's our old 50% retracement number. So you can't forget about that. Uh, below that, things open up. Uh, believe it or not, our uh, Eight-day low is down at 27.71. So trying to hold on here. Uh, definitely some bearish talk yesterday took us down. Crude staying up, though, up 79 cents at 26.47. Gold in the green by 5.10 at 17.2150. Silver in the red in the green by 5.9 cents at 15.73. And don't look now, but Bitcoin's battling back to 10,000, uh, up $545 at 9,810. And Triple D, my first question to you is Did you get to listen to me on Hot Mic yesterday? No, but I downloaded the app now. So I, I am now following Joel Alconan on Hot Mike. So I downloaded it last night. And uh, what's the code I got? I had to use Joel. Is it the same code every day? Yeah. Well, yeah, you just signed up for once. It's Joel, capital J, capital O, capital E, capital L. I didn't put capitals, but it worked for me. Yeah, 317. And it was tough yesterday because what I'm doing is I'm commentating on what CNBC is talking about as well as throwing Given in some other relevant financial information. What, why can't you just talk about the markets? Like, why can't you just comment on what you're seeing in the markets? Well, they the, what their app is, is what they, they're trying to do it is make it for broadcasters. But you'd be broadcasting the markets. 
yeah, broadcasting the market, but they, they want to use TV and see if, oh. you know, TV drivers, if people want a different opinion. Like right now, I'd be talking about Mo and what he's saying, but I'm not covering it, but it's good because during the commercial breaks, I could do all my stuff. It's, um, you got to use Apple Play or Google Play to get it. I'm asking them how to get it on the PC, but I hope to see more people in there today. Uh, but Dennis, uh, man. Everything's red today. No overnight bounce. You were not running your buy program last night? <laughs> Somebody wasn't running their buy program, or if they were, there was just too many sellers. We know we've been talking about this market getting jacked overnight. It seems like every single night we wake up and we're up 20 handles or 30 handles, and then we leak it back. Yesterday was the same story. They jacked it overnight. They tried to jack the stocks more. Obviously, we're talking about that couldn't even hold the gains in the pre-market eventually all the stocks opened red and just continued to crater there are so many concerns here so here's the good news i'm gonna give you the good news and the bad news what do you want first uh give us the bad news well the bad news is it feels really heavy and it feels like the rallies are getting sold and it feels like there's a lot of concerns out here that are starting to obviously you know being leading the charges the banks but let's start with the let, let, before I go into that detail because the the good news is really quick. We're at support on spy. We are at the bottom of the trading range. We kissed. We kissed the low for May the fourth yesterday, two seventy nine thirteen. We bounced right off of it at two seventy eight ninety six. So for you technical traders, we bounced right off of support yesterday, and we bounced pretty hard at you know in the last hour. So that was the good news. It was a nice bounce at support. But the bad news is the longer you hang out here, the more it feels heavier. And with the banks going down every single day, I mean, was yesterday capitulation Wells Fargo? Well, you'd hope so, but no, it's down another 2.5% here this morning. So, I mean, we've just been talking about the Wells Fargo chart for the last two weeks, and, or at least the last week, and it's been leading the charge down. And the other banks are starting to follow suit here too, and they're starting to get really ugly. And not only that, you've got Warren, Selling banks now, too, apparently, because Warren Buffett coming out in, I know we're going to get 13 hours, so we'll get a little more information, but in his disclosure last night on his Form 4, he sold 497,000 shares of USB. Full disclosure, I am short USB. Uh, that's just a day trade. Just because Warren, Warren's selling, I'm selling. Short term. <laughs> Continue. You're what are your bank. thoughts here? The banks are the problem. I'm going to tell you. Yes, the virus is the main problem. The banks are a major problem for this market. I tweeted out a week ago. Actually, it was like back on May the 4th. I tweeted out. I said, tech cannot hold us up forever. Bank if, cannot the banks live on tech continue, alone. if the banks continue to crater, eventually the market is going to follow suit. Tech has been holding us up and holding us up and holding us up. While the rest of the stocks, have not, a lot of stocks have not been doing well, but the banks have doing, been doing horribly. horribly. We look to me like we have a coin flip here on whether we're going into financial crisis part two or not i mean you know the economic numbers could easily bring us into a financial crisis the market has ignored all of that maybe it continues to ignore it all but these banks got some serious issues it's Lots reflected in the price from there. I mean, what they, they, it depends what their exposure is to some of these retail companies. Just, uh, it depends on what their exposure is to oil companies, right? It's high. Well, and, it's, it's, and, it's not low. Yeah. And, we know they, they, they raise their reserves. Interest rates aren't helping. Interest it, rates aren't helping. Not at all. 
negative rates. Trump's talking about negative rates yesterday. And what Powell's, does that mean for the banks? Powell said not so fast on that. Yeah, Powell said, but we know who actually seems to call the shots. Eventually, Powell gives in because he values his job. We saw this before here too. Pressure from the Fed, from Trump has always, uh, you know, Powell seems to buckle under the pressure. So we've seen this in the past. So where, where, what's the bull case here for the banks? Tell me. Bank buyers, besides looking at valuation and saying, how can you go wrong buying Wells Fargo at an eight, nine, I was going to say eight and a half, but it's nine and point two percent now the dividend. It's almost 10% the dividend on Wells Fargo. I'm going to tell you today that dividend is not safe. 9.28% dividends are hardly ever safe. And in a chart like this, that dividend is not safe. Uh, so, and, and Dennis, you know what's interesting here? So remember how those have the banks, the big banks, all set aside billions for loan loss provisions in their earnings report as of the end of March. Wells Fargo set aside the most of the big banks. They set aside the most money for loan losses as of the end of the first quarter. They set aside four billion dollars, which is more than every other bank did. They know about, and, the, so, and that was a tell. Yeah, they know. Some, yeah, there, there's some, you know, there, there's some storms coming their way. And they could see, you know, and they obviously setting aside. They know the storms are coming their way. You know what? The shareholders know there's storms coming their way. It's going to be very interesting to see if Warren Buffett has done anything else. We know he sold the airlines. We know he sold just a little bit of USB last night. We didn't sell right out. He just sold a little bit. But his little bit is 400 and I think 96,000 shares so of USB. But the question is, 497,000 shares. The question is on Wells. Is he holding? Is he holding? Is he just, you know, because Wells is a big position for him. It's getting smaller every day, you know, and you can look at his, you know, obviously his holdings and you say, oh, wow, you know, he's doing really well because Apple, you know, is a huge chunk of his holdings. Well, the Apple's one of his only holdings that's actually been doing okay. You know, he's had a really rough go of it here for a bit. I, I, I'm definitely concerned about the Wells Fargo chart and how it goes down every day. I think it has repercussions for the overall market. Right. And now uh, they're all, I mean, they all did not re react well to earnings. JP Morgan uh, was the darling of the group that went down. That's down of another buck 65 uh, today trading in the pre-market 82.38. And these things got hit with the market. They didn't, they didn't come back as much. So that's another thing. So I don't know. Look at your XLF. Uh, that thing is just hanging there. I haven't looked at that technically in a while. Remember, That's... XLF is full of Berkshire. I believe the biggest holding in XLF is Berkshire, so it's not a pure play on banks. Sure. If you look, it might hold up better. But if you want to go you know, find a better play, you can look to the regional ETF, KRE, KBE. Those are all regional banks. Gives you a feel for what the smaller bank is doing. If you want a bigger one, VFH, Vanguard Financials, but that also has some Met Life in it. You know, it's hard to get these pure plays on the ETFs. I'd say if you're looking more pure, you can probably look to the regional bank ETFs, KBE or KRE, and both of those are ugly there too. So it's not just a Wells Fargo problem. It's an overall bank problem here. And it makes sense. I mean, like I said, you, you talk, to, talk to some bankers out there. You know, everybody's got a banker body. There's not much going on right now. You know, you're not getting, you know, obviously we're all locked down. There's not big deals happening from an M&A perspective to help the investment banks. There's not, and, and there's not a lot of little deals happening because, you know, companies aren't looking to yeah, expand right now. They're looking yep. to survive. So this is a very, very tough environment for the banks. And I think, you know, a lot of these banks are sitting down here. And if you look at, you know, valuation metrics, you're like, wow, how can you go wrong? I'll tell you how you can go wrong. 
Go to the financial crisis and take a look at what banks did during the financial crisis. You can go wrong. Citigroup never came back after the financial crisis. Yes, it's a $40 stock, but the reverse split makes you think it came back, but it never did. You know, on a, on a, on a split adjusted base, I think it was 10 for one, it's still four bucks from 40. So if you bought Citigroup before the financial crisis and saying, well, eventually it comes back, you were wrong. It never came back. What's the all-time high on Citigroup? Oh, you always yeah. ask me this. It's well, because like I'm trying to pound in a pound. I know, I know. 500. I, know, I, know. I should know this by now. I, 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 got, I got 591. That sounds right. $591. It's 40 bucks. So you're still down 93% on your money if you bought it, you know, a few months before the financial crisis started. That's from the dot. The highs. That's from the dot com bubble. Oops. No, that was the. Well, okay, yeah, but but okay, so it yeah. maybe never even got back to where it was in the dot com bubble. But um, the financial crisis is where it really took the fall. So it could, the dot com bubble, everything was, you know, obviously the banks never got back there, maybe to those prices during the financial crisis. But we can see, you can look at it there. It got close to it, so it was like five fifty or something, two thousand eight. Then you can see the big fall from the financial crisis, and it never came back. People, people think, you know, newbies look at it and say, oh, it's 40, 50 bucks. It came all the way back. Now, reverse split. So you can see that chart is accurate. The stock never came back. So don't kid yourself. On some of these banks, there is major, major problems here. And the stocks are telling you that. And people keep saying, well, the market can go up without the financials. I completely disagree. They can go up if the financials stay pat. But if the financials keep going down, there's problems. If the banks, if we lose, if we go into a financial crisis, it's going to bring down the entire market and it's going to bring down companies. I traded through financial crisis, so I learned how to trade this. Companies with a large amount of debt in a financial crisis are the ones that are in trouble. If you look lately what's been happening, they've been slamming stuff with a lot of debt. And people are hiding out. I'm going to tell you some bad news here, guys. People are hiding out in the gold miners. They are hiding out in the GDXJ saying, well, this is going to be one safe area. If we go into financial crisis part two, all those gold miners are highly leveraged. They will get slammed. So don't think you're safe in the gold miners. You might be safe in gold, but you will not be safe in the gold miners. And look at what the gold miners did back in March. People say, oh, that was just selling everything, $40 to $20. No, because in March, we were concerned the financial crisis part two was coming quickly. And we Fed helped us out and we've delayed it a bit. It's still not off the table. I would want, not want to own any gold miners right now because, with the banks like this because it will be an issue. And don't kid yourself, that, that move in March could happen again in the GDXJ if we go into, uh, if we, and in and, and the GDX as well, yep. obviously, yep. if we go into financial crisis part two. The GDX looks like it's ready to fall off a cliff here to me. So I'd be very cautious. Just because gold goes up doesn't mean the GDX will go down. The banks continue to go down. I believe GDX and GDXJ will start to go down too. So it's not safe. You're safer in gold than you are in the GDX. All right. You did a 14-minute uh, on banks. This was sponsored by Bank America, JP Morgan, <laughs> they love and Wells me. Fargo. They oh, love they, oh, I'm sure they love Dennis right now. <laughs> they love me. I'm going to get a Christmas card definitely from Wells Fargo. For all the tweets that I've been doing, I better get a Christmas card from Wells Fargo. Uh, do we uh we got Mark coming on in a minute here? Do we? I want to get Mark's thoughts. Bring Mark. Do we on cover right one now. stock. I, no, well, stock? no, the stock we've been covering, and we just covered like ten stocks. All the banks. I got to get Mark's thoughts on the banks here because we got to stay in this because people are talking COVID. People are talking a lot of things. The problem right now is the banks. I think that's the overall problem here, and I want to hear what Mark Chaikin has to say about this. Well, you can because he's here. Mark Chaikin Excellent. is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. Mark, good morning. 
Good morning, Bears. This is the bad news Bears this morning. <laughs> what are your thoughts on these banks? They look terrible. And the loan, uh, loan losses were just the first shot in the uh, first quarter earnings reports. They're also playing the uh, 2008 game. I don't know if you saw last week that a consortium of banks wrote a, um, some sort of paper for, M I think it's MGM casinos, and they were uh, forced to sell off the lower grade tranches and take a big loss. So it's not just consumer losses. It's not just energy losses. It's the banks playing the same games that they played in 2008, doing you know a big credit default swap tranche and then having to, because of liquidity concerns, having to take a 27% haircut on about 200 million of a billion uh, two issue. It's the banks are a reflection of what's really going on in the economy, not the S&P 500. So what does that mean here? I mean, we've had a significant rally. I know, you know, we've talked a couple of weeks ago and we're still in the same spot where we were when we were talking a couple of weeks ago. We kind of just range bound, you know, we get a little rally. Tech tries to lift us and then the overall, you know, other sectors bring us back down. Then tech tries to lift us again and the other sectors bring us back down. You, you can feel the push pull. Tech is the, the, the one strength that has been holding up the market for a long time. We kind of lost that leadership in the last few days. I mean, we saw Apple get hit. Um, obviously, you know, some of these, you know, COVID hiding places are still holding up like Netflix, Shopify, Amazon, but we have lost a few of the tech stocks and NASDAQ has got hit the last couple of days. Is this just a pullback in tech to buy or is tech eventually brought down by the overall market? Well, first of all, we're not exactly in the same position we were two weeks ago. We've made three attempts to break through the 2900, 2950 area. And in doing that, breath has started to deteriorate. Um, in the subsequent sell-off of the last two days, the average stock in the S&P, X of the six big names, down 8%, with the S&P down 4%. So that tells me that big tech is holding up relatively better, but that's not a good thing at this point. Uh, and I also think that we're in this trading range between 2750 and 2950. And they're working their best to protect that 2750, 2800 level here as we head into the unemployment numbers. If we break 2750, then, you know, I think we go down to 2550, 2600, which would be a 50% retracement of the advance from the March lows. So I really think you've got to look at that range and monitor the market as it tries to hold the bottom end of the range here. I'm not optimistic. Yesterday, you got your first dose of reality in testimony before Congress from Powell, from Fauci. Uh, you, you got the real picture, not the uh, six o'clock, uh, let's pour some maple syrup on the pancakes picture. And it's not pretty. What if the Fed just fires off more bullets? Trump was talking negative interest rates yesterday. The Powell's kind of seemed like he wasn't interested, but we know if the market gets ugly, the Fed will fire whatever bullets it can to bring this market back up. It's such a difficult short trade when you're fighting the Fed the whole time. Does the Fed eventually, you know, the bullets they're firing just not give as much impact here? Thoughts on, you know, fighting the Fed if you're bearish? Uh, well, I, I think shorting the market with the SPY is a very tough thing because those six stocks are holding it up. Yeah. And you don't know when that's going to crack. Uh, you can't fight the Fed, that's for sure. But there's only 
so much the Fed can do unless they want to go in and buy SPY, which is being bandied about. And that's part of the reason the market, you know, has had these periodic spurts because a number of people like Janet Yellen suggested, well, maybe they'll do it. That was three weeks ago. And there have been questions to Mnuchin and to Powell, would you do it? And, you know, these, the comments have been tepid. Well, our inclination is not to go that route. But yeah, they could step in and buy, but that doesn't mean you have to be an aggressive uh, trader on the long side. It's, it's almost like you're looking at triage and praying that the patient survives. And you don't want to root against the patient. But on the other hand, you don't want to make that bet that the patient's going to die because triage works sometimes. So how would you be playing it at this point in time? I mean, fighting the Fed to short the market, but buying here with all these problems doesn't sound that great of an idea either. Um, just my own perspective, I'm playing with a lot of cash because I have uncertainty. My, my trading portfolio, I'm always trading, but in my long-term investment portfolio, I'm sitting with a ton of cash. I've been sitting with a ton of cash for a long time because I don't like the overall picture. Is cash the best place to be? Or, or if you're a long-term investor, put your long-term investing hat on. Well, we've been what saying, are your thoughts? I've been saying since early March that you should have a minimum of 20% in cash. Uh, in my wife's account, because she manages our money, so this is full disclosure, uh, she was 50% in cash, but some of her biotech stocks like uh, Regeneron and Vertex right. uh, have spiked up on earnings to new highs. So she's just uh, sold the spikes and she's actually more than 50% in cash. So my comment last night was if you want to get back toward 50%, buy the QQQs on a dip uh, because at least there you get the pure play or the purer play in the six big tech stocks that are driving the S&P plus biotech. So biotech is clearly, um, I, to me, a more interesting play longer term and from a trading point of view, but you have to buy them on weakness. And in all these stocks, you get periodic bouts of selling. But there are tons of solid biotech stocks that you can be buying here. And it's the old names. It's Microsoft, it's Adobe, it's Amazon. And notice the chart in Amazon sort of looks like a double top rollover. Have you looked at that chart lately? It looks, it looks a little concerned. I am long Amazon. <laughs> I stuck it in the long-term portfolio and trying not to look at it. I, had, I put a double-sized position on. When, when it dipped on the earnings report. And I was like, I want to have some of this. So I bought half for a trade, half for investment. I sold the trade part. I'm trying to hold on to the investment part just because I kind of think about what Mark Cuban says. I think Amazon wins even if we go back in a lockdown. It's kind of like a scenario when you, if you really take like a 20-year vision, yes, valuation is still not that attractive, but we know they can make more money. I just see this online shopping continuing and it's going to benefit Amazon long-term. So I'm trying to just plug my nose and hold on to my Amazon position, but I don't like the chart. Yeah, the chart uh, looks like a rollover after a hockey stick. Another thing that's going on here is that um, we've got an administration in Washington that has acknowledged that there's a big liquidity crisis, maybe even a solvency crisis. But look what they're doing with China now. They're, they're courting another trade war. How, how, I'll say how stupid is that in the middle of a financial crisis spurred by a health crisis? to threaten delisting uh, potentially of um, Chinese equities in U.S. markets. It's, this is insanity. I, I, you know, that would be, uh, Goldman Sachs estimates it would take 180 days to unwind Chinese equities. I don't think it's going to happen, by the way. But when you've got a president who's threatening 
the second largest economic power in the world with sanctions and delistings, that is very destabilizing for the market. Not to mention that, uh, you know, there's some naval ships off uh, Malaysia uh, due to some tensions in, uh, uh, off, the, off the seas there. Uh, we're on the line with Mark Chaikin of Chaikin Analytics. He joins the show every, every couple of weeks to give us his thoughts on the market. I just want to go to the IBB here, uh, just back up at uh, all-time highs here, XBI also. Now, when you see the all-time high made in the middle of the 2015, and then you see the decline that it had, and all the time that it took to get back here to all-time highs, I mean, are you looking for continued follow-through here? Or because if you're going, you know, from a from a chart perspective here, you're really at, at, at a lofty level, right, making the new all-time high. And, and for me, I, I mean, I think it's important. The biotech's important right now. We're working for you know, a vaccine or a cure or something. But, you know, is every single company that makes this up, are they all going to come up with a cure? Are they all going to benefit from this? I just kind of see as it, it took this long to uh, get back to a new all-time high. Uh, why, why, you know, why not lighten up? What's your thoughts on that? Well, as I said, lightening up on some of these spikes after earnings is a strategy that I've been uh, very uh, forceful in proposing, and I would not buy them up here, but I do think if you want to put money into the market, uh, that biotech is a place that is, if not a safe haven, certainly uh, a group where the spotlight is favorably shown on it. Uh, that's why I think the QQQ is probably the best overall bet to play the long side uh-huh. on dips only because you get a combination of biotech and pure technology in there, and you don't have to make that outsized bet on biotech. Uh, Mark, what about what about just some of the some of the ETFs that the Fed is coming in and, and, and buying yeah. here, the, the fixed income ETFs here? Do you have any thoughts on, 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 on those going forward? Too easy. You know, if if it looks like a free lunch, uh, remember, there are no free lunches on Wall Street. So HYG, I think you've got some risk there. There's got a lot of bankruptcies coming, guys. A lot of bankruptcies coming. We know they're in. They're there in retail. We know they're there in, in energy. Uh, that and by the way, that's why the banks are hurting, uh, Dennis, because there's so much exposure in these various sectors. Um, and you know, I'm suspicious of a market that made it so easy for Carnival Cruise Line to borrow, for Boeing to borrow 25 billion. You know, one one very smart writer said, "Well, the Fed was very smart uh, by." Backstopping these credit ETFs, they enabled Boeing to borrow $25 billion instead of going on a, a government loan or a government handout. Well, it's too easy. It's just too easy. That $25 billion could disappear in a heartbeat. They didn't get another new plane order last month. So I, I'm not a bear that I was looking for 1700 although it's still a possibility if every roll of the dice, uh, you know, turns up craps, but I certainly wouldn't defend the market if it breaks below 2,600. Mark, uh, let's talk about just the, the economic recovery here. Almost every state in the country is uh, either has a partial reopening or is set to reopen soon. Only about six or seven states still have uh, stay-at-home orders in place uh, and are not 
going to lift them, or they haven't announced it at least. So with the vast majority of the country trying to reopen here, also we have jobless claims in three minutes. With the vast majority of the country trying to reopen here, what, 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 do, you, what do you expect we'll see from just as from the consumer, from spending, uh, and, and the follow through of that into the market? Uh, I said a month ago that the biggest risk to the stock market was a premature opening of the economy that fails and forces some sort of reversion back to not total lockdown, but certainly uh, more stringent social distancing. I'll give you an anecdotal um, point here. They reopened the restaurants and the beaches in Florida. We have a friend in Naples, which is a really fairly conservative community. It's not, you know, Fort Lauderdale at spring break. This is a serious community. They had to close down the beaches on Saturday because people were partying. So they had to reinstitute uh, stringent hours, you know, two hours in the morning, two in the afternoon. People are social animals. They want to congregate. And they're going to do it badly, in my view. We have the evidence in more, more states. In Florida, the restaurants were booming this weekend. People are sitting at tables. They're drinking with friends. That can only end badly. We've been told by the responsible scientists that this is not going away. And the further we get from social distancing, the worse it's going to be. So from the point of view of the economy, V-shape is totally out, in my view. It always has been completely unrealistic pipe dream. U-shape, yes, but how wide is the U? I guess that's the question. All right, a minute and a half here uh, until, I'm sorry, a half a minute, or about one minute until the, can't look at the clock, until jobless claims here, we are looking at 2.5 million jobless claims filed last week. That is the consensus estimate. So that would be the first time in, First time since this really started that we'd be on, we'd be under the three million threshold. I'm uh, not sure. We've got 25 percent effective unemployment, so the, yeah, you know, almost only so much blood you can squeeze out of a stone. Be interesting to see what they do every week. But uh, I think two weeks ago the market rallied on the unemployment claims number, mm -hmm. and if they don't rally this time, that'll tell you that we're you know we're going to turned. We've we've turned and and we're going to test the 20. I think if they rally it, I think it's the rally to be sold. That's day traders. I agree. There, so. Well, more than just day traders. If you're not 20% in cash, it's a spot to, to get some cash on the books. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if you're sitting all invested here, I, I think, you know, I'd be a little bit concerned. I, I, I redid my portfolio, my long-term portfolio, and I analyzed it all yesterday. Um, and here, give the jobs numbers. We'll talk about that in a second because we're, yeah. we're bouncing around a bit. Futures are on their lows. They broke the Globex lows here um, about 20, about a half hour yesterday's ago. low too. Yeah, right. 87 even. Uh, we're trading at 90 quarter. There was a little blip there back over 90. 2790 is what the level we're trying to control here. 2786, that was your low from yesterday. Uh, getting a little relief pop here. 2787. So that's what your bulls, your bulls are going to be leaning on here is a potential double bottom here, 2786, 2787. And uh, harking back to a month or so ago, we were talking about the 50% retracement of this entire move. For the June futures, boom, it's right there, 2786. So there's your number. Uh, we've had a big sell-off. Now uh, the bulls are leading here on this uh, on this double bottom. See if yeah, we can two get point. Back mid yeah. 
2.9 million was the reading uh, for initial jobless claims last week. So uh, at least we're going down, but it, we're still at ridiculous levels. Yeah, one thing I would caution is these people who are touting numbers as, oh, well, they beat the estimates, whether it's earnings, unemployment claims, uh, PMI numbers. This is all just bogus talk to get airtime. You, you know, no estimates or projections mean anything in this market because nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. Well, the other side of that is what else does the market have to go off of other than an estimate? So. <laughs> It's been trying to find reasons to rally. Like, I mean, you've, you've got people trying to justify, you know, why we had such a significant rally when you've got these economics numbers and the economic numbers are showing despair. So you have a lot, you know, a, a lot of media personalities that come on and they need to justify the prices and they don't want to hear, you know, that we're squeezing the hell out of the shorts or it was just crowded to the, to the, to the, to the bear side and we're going to squeeze those bears for a while until they break. They want a fundamental reason to find it and they say, okay, well, we beat the estimates or, you know, they're trying to find the silver lining on why the market's rallying. But the bottom line is just, you know, we, everybody was very bearish. You had a lot of people you know, basically betting, you know, on the initial pop that it was going to not follow through when we bounced from the 220 area to the 260, including myself. And, you know, and, and it just it climbed that wall of worry to punish the bears. Well, you know, now you've had so many people flip the script and say, well, the Fed's there and we're going to go along no matter what. So I think you've actually squeezed a lot of the bears out and you've caught a few people long. So, so. we just broke those lows, by yep. the way, Joel. And, and the yep. little rally that we had was sold. So yeah. it, it's turned. We're not rallying. Those numbers, you know, yeah, weren't good. But a week and a half ago, the point you were just making, Mark, a week and a half ago, we were rallying even when the numbers were bad. Now we're changing our opinions a bit. And we're finding, you know, not so much the silver lining, but um, you know, we're looking Reality. at, you know, yeah, we're looking at the opposite. So this market is nervous. This market is raising cash. This market has reason to be nervous. It starts with, you know, the virus, but it's also got the banks. It's got so many issues. Eventually, a lot of this just comes to roost. And that's why I'm sitting now in my long-term portfolio. I was going to save it for the thing. But I analyzed it. And I, was, I, I felt like I was in the 60s, but I hadn't actually sat down to the calculations. I own like you know, 80 stocks or something long-term portfolio, and there are multiple accounts. So I had to just actually sit down and quickly do the math. But on the math, I'm actually sitting at 71% cash now, 71%. That's on my liquid assets. That's not including real estate. If you throw real estate, I'm even more. But on my liquid investable assets, I am 71% cash. And as a trader, I'm short. So in my trading account. So you can tell, like my bets are still that we have more pain ahead. I would never sit with 71% cash when I'm 43 years old if I didn't think there was pain ahead. But I'm very nervous about this market. Well, and you're in good company. You've got people like um, Stan Druckenmiller and uh, David Tepper who are, you know, Kramer credits Tepper for the uh, tip-off at one of the conferences it turned him bearish. Of course, you know, there's a weather vane effect there that bear could be a bull in the next windstorm. But Kramer's bearish? No, but that was in uh, late February. Tepper, Tepper whispered in his ear in late February, but then Tepper's out there again. And, you know, these guys are typically talking their books, so I, I always discount what they say. But, you know, when they make sense, that's a different story. And one's talking valuations, one's talking uh, a different game in terms of the economy. But however you look at it, there's risk and uncertainty in the market. So just 
your your listeners, your viewers should prepare for that. Doesn't mean you go 100% in cash. I think Dennis. I, I'm probably too high. I'm just, you know, I'm a trader. I'm very glued in. And like I said, and, you know, Josh Brown was making a good point here too. I flip. I flip around. Um, you know, I sold and we listed this off like eight, nine stocks out of my investment portfolio last week for the simple reason that some of them had just run too far. Yep. Um, you know, I'd sold Shopify out of my account because it had run too far, in my opinion. And obviously it's still holding up. I sold Target, not because I don't like Target in this environment, because it's run so far that it's approaching the all-time highs. And, yeah, you know, even though it's a, it's a safe hiding spot, I think eventually the market gets ugly enough, they start to sell off everything. So, you know, the, the reason I'm back up to that much cash, which is probably as high as I've been, um, is probably because a lot of my stocks that I had, some of these tech stocks had run too. And uh, I just feel like there's, it's not that easy of money on the long side now. I agree. To that, I'd add stocks like Peloton and Zoom and Chewy, you know, great um, brands, but at a certain they, point, they've just they run too up. far. Which one? I, I'm just saying at a certain point, those stocks, you know, have maybe just run too far. You know, is Peloton a $15 billion company? I mean, and valuations never mattered in this market. So, you know, we can't necessarily, the story can carry a lot harder, a lot further than valuation, but you know, it wasn't a great candle for yesterday on Peloton. Eventually, some of the money hiding out in some of these places could get hit as well. There's a lot of money. I want to get quick thoughts here. And I was mentioning this earlier, just in the chat. Quick thoughts on the gold miners, because GDX and GDXJ has had a significant rally, getting all of its losses back from March. GDX is actually higher than it was back in March. And a lot of people think, well, gold benefits from this. No matter what, we're going to be safe in gold. I was arguing Gold is a different animal than the GDX. You have to consider one thing is that the miners have a lot of debt. And if we go into a financial crisis, and I'm not saying we're going to, but it is on the table, especially when you see these banks, you could actually see some of these gold miners get hit just because they're levered up. So thoughts on the gold miners, because it looks to me like that GDX is topping out. Uh you certainly have a momentum divergence in the various um, technical momentum indicators like uh, RSI and stochastic. Uh, if your assumption that there's a lot of debt in there is true, then you may want to go for a couple of the gold mining stocks that have um, you can pick on a better balance sheets. You can pick them up. Yep. You know, we've got bullish ratings on a number of uh, the gold stocks. I typically don't watch them as closely as I do the tech and biotech stocks. Me but neither. There are a couple. Uh, yeah. So I think it might be time to get out of the um, out of the index. You know, the ETFs, the Venec ETF that you were just looking at and maybe look at some of the individual names and, and there you just check the balance sheet. You know, for instance, in Chaken Analytics, you can see the debt equity ratio is one of the 20 factors in the power gauge. Um, do we have one second? I'll go into metals and minings. And yeah, I go. I know we've got one or two uh, gold stocks that look interesting, but I got to do a little bit of drilling down here. Um, I mean, I, I just see what they did in March. I see, and you know, charts can tell you a lot of stories. And when we were really concerned that this was really going to get ugly, they start selling everything, any kind of stock. Gold, you know, got hit as well, which was actually surprising back in March. They were just literally raising cash wherever they possibly could. But the gold miners themselves got hit a lot harder than gold, which is always the case. So, you know, GDXJ fell from 40 to 20 in about a week and a half. It got cut in half. 
is all the way back up here now. I think people are hiding there thinking that it, they win no matter what, because here Fed's printing money, so that's going to be good for gold. Uh, but the one consideration, I'm going to say it again, is gold is not gold miners because the miners are stocks. And these stocks are levered up. A lot of them are really levered up. At least the last time I was checking balance sheets on the gold miners, there's a lot of leverage there. So yeah, just, that's still a I consideration. Just, I just found one that we like, SSRM, with a bullish rating that has you know, a very reasonable amount of debt relative to equity uh, compared to the rest of the group. So there are, if you dig deep, there are stocks in the gold uh, mining area that have better balance sheets. And that if you want to continue to play it, I think you make a good point that there is risk in just buying a whole index. It's not purely a gold play, but Newmont Mining has very little debt uh, relative to equity. So I think you can find individual names that still look good technically uh, where you're not playing the credit risk. All right, Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins our show every other week. Mark, thanks for the time, and uh, stay, keep staying safe. Thank you. Oh, I just cut him off. Sorry about that, Mark. All right, uh, eight, <laughs> 840 here. Let's go to uh, a couple of earnings. Let's do Cisco here. Cisco. Well, before we go, I want to get yeah. Joel's thoughts on this GDX right. and GDXJ, because it looks tired to me. I mean, it could be consolidation just to go higher, but with the banks going down like they are, I, 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 I think this is just a nice setup. I think it's a nice setup for the short side on GDX and GDX. Yeah, you know what? I I do. I picked up some of these in the middle of February and just watched them get slaughtered. Slaughtered. The market. And then now they came all the way back. back. And I, I mean, they're just, they're just not going. You know what I mean? And in this well, kind did. of environment. Yeah, it would people have to to liquidate. So I mean, gold's been hanging in here. I just I wish I would have just bought the gold instead of the miners. I'm getting, I'm just getting sick of looking at them. I mean, if if you're looking at them from a short perspective, you gotta you got an area to lead on. You know, you're at a you know you're at a multi year high. I'm yep. just looking at the GDX here. If you want to short them, you know where your out is. Uh, it just I don't know. I just don't it. it Gold is so weird because, like, when you want it to perform and you want these buying before markets going down, then they just treat them like stocks, you know. And then the market rips, and they're like, "Oh, who needs gold stocks?" So, I mean, the gold had its run. I know my dad was found it back when it was like two, three hundred. He found this guy named Harry Brown and everything, but it's just, just not, just not happy with the performance and. You know, I see what you're saying here, setting up with a, a potential short. I, for the GDX, I definitely see your out. Yeah, I see my out too, and I'm setting it up here. I have no position on in any of these here at this point in time, but I might initiate a short in the GDX or GDXJ today um, after the open here or maybe even after the show. I'm just looking at it here. 35.50, you know, would be my out on the GDX. 35.56, so if you're shorting here at 33.90, you're risking yourself a buck and a half. I'm, I'm, I'm banking. I would be saying that I think it gets uglier for the overall market and eventually that sinking, you know, we say rising tideless all ships. So, you know, it's, I don't know what the opposite of that would be, but I think they get dragged down with the overall market eventually if the market continues oh, to go down. So obviously the market turns around. That's a different story, but money hiding here, there's money hiding here. There's money that really believes that I'm safe in the GDX. I'm just going to say, look at the chart in March when GDX was 30 and it went down to $16 in a week and a half. 
history can repeat itself. Same thing with the preferreds. People who are hiding out in the preferreds right now are in a wrong hiding spot. And I am short some of the preferreds. I talked about it yesterday. I'm going to say it again. Um, the, the preferred stocks, you know, the PFF, when you look at that index in itself, um, and I, I full disclosure, I am short the PFF, um, just is full of bank preferred stocks. So if you start to have problems here, look at what it did back in March and look at where it is right now. It looks like it's ready to fall off the cliff for good reason. Now, again, if the market turns around, PFF will just start to climb, but PFF isn't going to rip up to 36, 37, 38 on you. It's, it's conservative on its way up, but it can be violent on the way down. So it's kind of nice on the short side if you time it right. Again, timing is always critical. If you're shorting individual preferred stocks, it's a tough game. Like I've looked at individual preferred stocks and I just want to throw out some numbers at you. Like you think naturally, okay, well, I'm going to short a bunch of Wells Fargo preferreds, which I am short a couple. But some of these things are like the borrow rates are like 30, 20, 30, 40%. They can just get out of hand. So you got to look at what the borrow rate is before you just start shorting individual uh, stocks. Right. If, if you go to the preferred PFF, that thing is very liquid. The borrow rate's probably... Yeah, I can bring it up right now. It's probably next to nothing. I'm just going to bring it up on my platform. Yeah, it's 0.63% a year. So it's basically nothing. So, you know, the whole year, if you hold it for the entire year, you're only going to charge 0.63%. But on some of these borrows, like there's a GS.PRJ, it's 85% the borrow rate. You know, so at least, you know, at, at Interactive Brokers, I'm looking at it. So, you know, you've got to be careful when you're just shorting them. And then obviously some of them are just hard to borrow. PFF's always liquid, so it's the cleaner play, the easier play. I like PFF from the short side. I like the miners from the short side. I'm just setting up some trades for you. If you're looking at, you know, what hasn't got hit yet, they haven't got hit yet. If this really turns ugly, I think they get hit. And just to wrap this up, I was just looking at flows here. The GDX has had $630 million of inflows in the last uh, three weeks. So, I, and I just want to clarify. Yeah. So, so what, say that again. Say that again. Yeah. Six hundred thirty million dollars of inflows. That's money going into the fund, into GDX in the last three. They, weeks. They're hiding there. They're hiding there. It's crowded. I, I love this setup from the short side. To be honest with you, I love it. So, I, I there's some. I get trading ideas. Um, you know, sometimes, and you know, sometimes they're good, sometimes, sometimes they're not. You get I, I know where time. my out is. I have such defined risk on this, and you, it, it's setting up like the ducks are all in a row. The chart looks good. The banks are going down, and people. Okay, I want to say it again. So you know, people are asking me if I'm short gold. Do I think the banks reverse? I'm not talking about gold. I'm not talking about GLD. I'm talking about the leverage and the miners. I'm talking about GDX and GDXJ because there can be a disconnect. We've seen this happen if we get into a financial crisis. I'm not saying the financial crisis is coming, but here's a low risk play to, you know, basically bet on it. Um, I think a lower risk play. So because if the banks continue to get ugly, don't kid yourself. Those miners will get hit. I'm telling you, if the banks, if we see Wells Fargo fall another five, six bucks, I'm not saying it's going to happen. There's a lot of risk to come in here and short Wells Fargo now that it can turn around on a dime. I don't see the major risk in shorting the GDX at this point in time you know where your out is. I'd say if it starts to make new highs on the move, okay, you know, my thesis is wrong. So I, I like the setup. We get, we hear you. Uh, Spoos continue to leak here. Uh, just uh, cut through yesterday's low, like a hot knife through butter, got to 27.77. This is uh, reminding me back of March here. Just uh, no, no pop off that number at all. A little bit of reality setting in here in the markets. Let's see if we can get back above yesterday's low here at uh, 27.86, but just a slow leak here uh, in the markets. And uh, 
We'll see. Does not look like a good day. I mean, Spencer, what's your tally on um, – Let's, let's see your signs. When's the last time we had a limit uh, situation? <laughs> that sign's been retired. I guess I, I may retired? have to. I, well, I may have to. I may have to That's bring it right. back. I may have to bring it back. It's been. Uh, I, I've been keeping track this entire time. Come on, it's been like a. It's been like a month and a half or something. Um, yeah, well, since we've had a, a, a limit down or a, a trading halt, uh, so. I may have to bring that baby back if if we get more volatility here. I don't think we're at that point. I don't think yeah, there's that much fear out here. Um, but I think we're at a point where I'm now a seller of rallies and not a buyer of dips. I was buying dips and selling reps. I've been saying that. You know, I've been saying it for for weeks. Buy the dips and sell the reps. Buy the dips and sell the reps. I'm not buying this dip. Yes, and people were asking me two it? days ago. I, I got a million messages. The- when well, not a million. I'm exaggerating, obviously. But I got four <laughs> or five texts. And probably four or five messages, even on Twitter, um, but email, text, you know, probably a dozen, you know, two days ago when we, when we fell down to 287, is, are we buying the dip on this one? You could just feel it was different. And, you know, I said it yesterday on the show when we were rallying up, you could feel it was different. So you could feel that it kind of turned. Why? Because they weren't just selling the crap, the, 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 the trash stocks, they were starting to sell the leaders. And when the leaders start falling, you know, and the trash is still going down, it's going to pull it all down here. And you got, and why did they start selling the leaders? Well, they got tired. Apple got almost to all-time highs. Do you still have that short? I know I covered it. I, I, I told I, you not to cover that. Never cover. Never I, cover. Those are I trades, I told though, you not Joel. to cover that one. Those are trades. Here's Where my analysis here. Where did you cover it at? Where did you I, cover I, it? You know, analyzing it here, I'm 73% or 72% cash in my long-term portfolio. And I asked my wife, if you were sitting with 72% cash, you know, what are you looking for the market to do? In your long-term portfolio, you're 43 years old. What are you looking for it to do? You're looking for it to go down. So to be flat out short everything as well, yes, in my trading portfolio, I'm going to flip around and I have some shorts on. I've said, you know, I'm short some preferred stocks. I'm thinking about initiating a short on the gold miners. I haven't put that one on yet. Um, I, I, I am short some stuff. You're avoiding the question. Where did you- Why did I, why did I, I covered Apple yesterday at 304. Okay. And what did I tell you to, I, to Don't do? Don't cover at all. Joel says never cover. I said put a stop in above and let it take you out. You get stopped out. out on this stuff. You see some of the wicked little rallies in Apple there? It you, went from 308 to 316 yesterday morning. It was 308 in the after hours session. Then it sells off. And even at the end of the day, it was down okay. to 302. I know. You did. I'm just giving you a I like it. I love Apple still. So, you know, obviously I still have it in my long-term investment portfolio as well. So you so, were hedged. As, yeah. But anyways, I, 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 like, I still like tech. If you I, okay. looked at my long-term investment portfolio, here's my core holdings. Apple. Now it's Amazon, which, you know, I've still kind of, I don't, the valuations always kind of turn me off. But I think, I think, you know, I think about what Mark Cuban says. I think Amazon wins no matter what. So I've got Apple, Amazon, Google. I have Microsoft. And then, so a lot of the big guns, those tech rich cash that are going to perform no matter what. So of the 27% of stocks that I have, and then I have the, a huge position in Qs from the financial crisis that I'm up like, I don't even know. I bought the QQQ. I think I'm averaged in at about 40 bucks and it's 217. So it's a huge position. It's, I believe, the biggest position in my invest portfolio just simply because it has grown so much. So um, obviously I'm very heavy tech still of the 27%. But that's not saying I'm bullish, you know, tech stocks overall because I'm still sitting with a huge amount of cash. Because I'm concerned that we have problems. I may be wrong. And maybe the market rips back to all-time highs. And I'm going to be on the sidelines for it. But everything in, from an economic 
perspective here, which hasn't mattered up to this point in time, tells me that I don't want to be fully invested. So, and I will never go, I'm never going to be one that's going to be 90% invested, or 100% invested in equities. I'm always going to have, you know, where I'm really, you know, why I have so much cash, to be honest with you, is the fixed income portion of my portfolio is almost nothing. It's down to like 1%. And that was full of preferred stocks. And why do I want to own a preferred stock right now, a PFF, uh, and, and obviously say, oh, you can own bonds. But bonds are a tough game too, because you're in this low risk environment. You're going to get two, 3%, you know, on a government, or not even a 1% on a government bond. You go to corporates, you're getting three or four. I don't want to loan money to no. Boeing at 4%, or I don't want to loan money to some of these companies at four or 5%. The risk reward isn't there. So I've always went to the preferreds to try to pick up a little bit extra, but the preferreds look ugly right now. So uh, from a chart perspective, from an investment perspective, and yeah, it's still got whatever, a 5.8% dividend in the PFF, but it's, it's a tough gig when it's full of bank preferreds and the bank stocks are collapsing. I think eventually they could go down too. So the majority of my cash, why well, I'm in a lot of cash and I went on a long run here, is because I'm not confident enough in fixed income investments right now, besides yeah, government you're bonds. you happy the company. To, to, be, to be, I don't want exposure. So in that way right now. So I'm not for three, four percent. I'm jumping into, you know, like Upwork, which I'm still in, you know, which I'm going to be probably selling here because this has ran so far. You know, I'm in stocks like that. Those are speculative where you can make big money. It's huge risk, huge reward. I think the reward on the PFF is 5.86% dividend. I think the risk is enormous. So I don't want to own any preferreds here until I know that we're coming out of this. And then I'll rebuy my preferred stocks. So if you're sitting there hiding out a PFF, I think you're in trouble. I think right, what about I think what about Norwegian Cruise Lines? They get they reported today. Yeah, let me uh, get those numbers here. I didn't have them up in front of me. So, NCLH, right? That's they said everything right. That, there was Norwegian. And get the numbers, but they said on right. Jim Kramer. Remember he came on Kramer two nights, three, four nights ago. People watched that interview on Kramer. He's up there talking about how the cruise, how you know, our, our bookings are up. They're up a year over year on 2021. He's saying all this good stuff. And we're raising, and we have a comfortable position that we can handle this in the next year, no problem at all. Well, why isn't the stock rallying? Give me the numbers. Uh, EPS loss of 99 cents last quarter versus a loss of 31 cents as the estimates. With two and a half good months. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, sales of $1.2 billion versus a $1.18 billion estimate. So I know Mark says to discount the estimate, but that's, a, that's what we have to go off of here. So the, uh, the, the headline numbers, their earnings were, were, were horrible. The sales were okay. Uh, so um, CEO talked about you know all the actions they've taken, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, saying all the right things, like you said, Saying all the right things. That was an interview that I felt like, wow, maybe we should buy the cruise lines after that. It's went straight down since then. So obviously, maybe he's you know, telling a different story than what investors are seeing. I'm not buying the cruise lines. I'm not touching cruise lines. I'm not touching airlines. I'm not touching Disney. And yes, you know, Disney has gotten a pass here for a long time. What do you think of the Disney chart here? We lose 100 on Disney. It could get ugly again. I, I just I know, don't see. I, mean, I, I, I can't I fathom. How Disney, this is how insane this market is. And, you know, yeah, I've been ranting a lot here today. Disney is at the same place that it was a year ago. It's the same price. And, yeah, okay, the Disney Plus. But, you know, that helps a little bit. But come on. What is Disney Plus of the overall revenues? 1%, 2%, 3%. 
2% maybe, if that. Those parks that you said are 35%. Those parks are not going back to their attendance numbers that they had. In my opinion, those parks are not getting back to those attendance numbers that they had in January and February for years, years. They're burning, somebody said they're burning a billion dollars a month. I don't know if that's true, but they're losing a lot of money. You think about the parks being closed. This is a serious situation. All of their other businesses, you know, the movies are not, are shut down. There's a lot of problems with Disney. People say, how can you go wrong with Disney at $101? You know, this franchise is awesome. It's an awesome franchise. Under different circumstances, I would be backing up the truck and buying Disney stock here. But this is a different world here right now we are in. And until people get, you know, comfortable doing everything they were doing before the pandemic started, stocks like Disney are going to suffer. I don't want to own Disney. Not, not no, I mean, under, under the circumstances, I mean, they, they popped it on that Shanghai plant being open a little, you know, or the Shanghai park being open for a little Cause, bit. Because they uh, sold out on day one. Yeah. And then somebody else was treating, tweeting out oh. that you get lots of tickets on day two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Well, and, and they sold and out at like 30% capacity. No, not even. It was less than that. It was, oh. yeah, a fraction of, of capacity. So. And we're reopening Disney Springs. So we're opening an outdoor mall. I mean, I'm sorry. I love Disney. Great franchise. You know, I love the company. My kids love Disney Plus. They love all the movies. I mean, they do a lot of things perfectly well. They're a victim of what we are in right now. And they will stay a victim until we have some clarity on how we're getting out of it. And I agree with Mark. I, I've been saying on the show, I don't think the reopening is going to go well. I think people are just going about their business. They're starting to go about their business because they're sick of it. I'm sick of it. I don't want to sit in my home all day. I, I'm used I to sitting in my home, so and I'm sick it. of it. Are you sick of it, Joel? Uh, I, it's, Spencer's yeah. sick of it, I'm sure. Yeah, We're all of course, sick of man. It. And I started, I started a couple weeks before you guys did. I, I, well, I started early, too. I started uh, beginning of March when Spencer got sick. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this, going to school. Yeah. I pulled him from school, and that was it. And because I knew, you know, you knew it was coming. The writing was on the wall. This wasn't like something that we didn't know was coming. We knew this was coming. So I didn't want to take a chance, but I'm sick of it. I want to go back to my normal way of life. I don't think it's safe. I don't think it's safe for me to just go. There is a percentage of the population that believes it is safe. Maybe they're right. Maybe COVID is just the flu, but all the numbers are telling us it's not. I'm going to believe the doctors and the numbers, and I'm going to stay safe in my home here. Um, and even if they tell me it's okay to go out, I'm not going to go out until I stop seeing people get sick. That's just me. There is a percentage of the population that is like me. So even if you reopen everything like they have in Sweden, there's still a percentage of the population that isn't going about their business in normal ways. I know we had a chat, a person from our chat that's saying it's true, but the numbers are saying that's not true. So I, I'm not completely convinced that we just reopen. Everybody just keeps going about their business. I think there's a good chunk of the population that will well, still be spooked. Well, we're going to find out here because, like I said, the vast majority of states are trying to reopen. The, they either have a partial reopening happening or a partial reopening happening soon. Uh, only uh, only a, a half dozen states don't have reopening plans right now. So we're, we're going to find out in the next few weeks uh, how this goes and whether the numbers get worse or whether the, whether the reopening worked. We're going to one way or the other, we're going to know. So we're, we'll, uh, know, we'll know eventually. It could look okay for a couple of weeks. It could look okay. I mean, you, not everybody's going to get sick right away. Maybe it's going to go well. I hope it goes well. I want it to go well. I want to yeah. be wrong. I want to actually, you know, see the market go higher and my cash, you know, be a bad call. I want to do that. 
And that's because I don't want to be locked up anymore. I value life more than money. So I want to get out. I want to go back to the normal way of life. I personally don't think it's going to be that easy. All right, uh, 859 here. Uh, do you guys want to cover like one more, like Cisco or something, like one more stock before we, we head out for the day? Sure. Yes? No? Okay. Cisco. Cisco earnings. Had, uh, Maybe you guys should stay on because they're saying it was a DDD show and I haven't been, I've been talking about No, no. I got to hop. Actually, let's just do this and I got to hop. I'm hopping over on Hot Mike uh, for the oh. next uh, half hour. So you can listen and, to uh, Yeah, I got a lot no to DDD say. I didn't say much during the day, but uh, I got, I'm just going <laughs> to. All right, took a little I nap, so I'm going to be good and ready to go for this today. All right, but go ahead. Fine. All right, uh, I'll give you the, the Cisco numbers real fast. The the, uh, the EPS uh, beat, the sales beat, and they gave guidance for the quarter, which is good to see. Someone give guidance. Joel, thoughts on the chart? If they popped and then it dropped is what I saw, so that's not good. Full disclosure, own Cisco in the low 40s. I do too. Wish I would have gotten rid of it. Uh, it's on the rebound from the pre-market low. Pre-market low comes in at forty-one thirty-one. You're back above uh, forty-two dollars. So, looking okay here. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's had it has had a big range. So I just would keep an eye on the closing price. If it stays if it stays green, it's good to go north. I, 44 if it gets back anywhere near 44 that had a pop over there that's going to be a uh, big resistance there for cisco All right, i got it in the long-term portfolio it's been a dog a dog 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 barking dog it's a 3.4 percent yeah. dividend it's good the value tech play yes they have cisco webex but it's not picking up the slack that much uh i kind of don't like it but i still have it in the long-term portfolio all right, that's a wrap, everyone. Thanks for listening. Catch our podcast. Please remember all of the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. We'll be back with you this afternoon. In the meantime, stay safe and good luck out there. Okay. Okay, man. Thanks. All I'll right. talk to you a little bit. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.